Luke 18, I want to draw from that just briefly. Luke 18, verse 1, down through verse 7. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Um, Just yesterday, I was um, meeting with my daily discipleship group, um, and we were talking about prayer. We talked about 1 Timothy 2.8, that men would pray everywhere. with the lifting up of holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And um, we see there that Paul has a passion to see that men would pray. Uh, Women, yes, but in this case, that men would gather to pray, uh, to be there in the prayer meetings and to to join in for the public prayers. Um, And and one of the brothers in the group asked the question, why don't men pray? That was the question that uh, this brother uh, posed to me. Why don't men pray? And um, I, I gave him an illustration. Suppose you were to be thrown into a pit of a hundred hungry alligators. Uh, would you pray? Um, and of course, you know, they said, oh, yes, we would pray and we wouldn't have to be taught how to pray. Uh, we would pray. We would know how to pray and what to pray and, and why we would pray. We would have all that. And we would pray. Um, so, so I then came back to the brothers and said, um, so these men are sitting in a pit of a hundred hungry alligators. Why won't they pray? And the answer was because they don't know they are in a pit of 100 hungry alligators. So we have to know, we have to know where we are. We have to have a burden for prayer. I think this is the um, message that, uh, that we need for the day is that we, we need to understand that we, we are in such need of spiritual grace. We're in such need of, of God's daily strength. And that's the message of Ephesians 6, of course, that we are in war. Uh, the enemies are much bigger than we are. Um, we're not just up against, you know, communist governments or uh, powerful human forces. Uh, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. So, so to have a spiritual awareness of what we are up against, I think is so essential for the body uh, that we would come together and pray. Our enemies are formidable. They can do damage. Uh, and we need to be ready for this spiritual warfare on a daily basis. Sometimes we wake up to the war. Uh, at one point, I, I told somebody that uh, I woke up to the spiritual war and realized I was in my pajamas, you know, and that's obviously not ready for warfare. But when you, when you begin to tune in to what's going on around you spiritually, um, suddenly realize the need to put on the whole armor of God and to put on each piece with prayer. So secondly, uh, prayer is also essential for major kingdom endeavors. This is exactly what Brother Stephen was bringing out today. The Moravian brothers were really the very first of the major missionary outreach to the world, at least from a Protestant perspective. And, um, and they did such important work. They, they, to be the first, to be the pioneers, before we get to William Carey and Adonam Judson, the others, before that, it's the Moravian Brethren. And of course, they had been persecuted for about three to 400 years in Czech Republic. Um, 
by hands of the Roman Catholics. And so it would be, it'd been a very, very hard time for them. And yet God had prepared them for this moment. And, um, and they were really the first major kingdom outreach for the modern missionary movement, which has resulted in 900 million Protestants around the world. In fact, I was at the, the tombstone of, of Zinzendorf and Christian David and the others and um, out in Hernhut. I encourage you to go there. Be sure to stop by if you happen to be in Germany. Uh, it's a wonderful time. And, and they even prayed with some Korean brethren who were there uh, who were celebrating or appreciating the, the work that the Moravians had done. Uh, to be the first major kingdom outreach, but it was the prayer life of these brothers that were so that was so critical uh, to to the in- incredibly difficult project that they were about to launch into. Uh, so prayer is essential for major kingdom endeavors. So starting a church, we're ordaining elders in the body, uh, we're doing evangelistic outreaches. Essential, essential, essential. Uh, thirdly, we are up against obstacles, and we do come up against obstacles. We really do need mountains to be removed and to be cast in the sea. And I think we do come up against this. We know that we're up against very difficult um, obstacles in our ministries, in our families, uh, in our denominations. Uh, we all face certain conflicts, and we have no idea how we're going to make it through. Um, certainly, that's, that's the experience we're having in our church right now, the experience we're having with our denomination, in our own family as well. Uh, we are facing major spiritual challenges such that we, we haven't actually approached you know, mountains this high in the spiritual life of our family to this point. And so here we are, now what? And so, you know, this is exactly where prayer comes in. We must pray through the obstacles. There's no other way. We have come up to the Red Sea. Our toes are in the water. Pharaoh's armies are down upon us. We can't go any further unless God parts the waters. So this, this the prayer is essential to make it through these obstacles. Now, briefly, let's just say this simply and very plainly, uh, we have a big God, and he is the creator of the universe, and he is our father, and he gave his son for us, and if he spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, so this is the context in which we pray. We pray in that we have an incredibly intense need for prayer, and we have a father who is looking forward to hearing our prayers and answering our prayers. And therefore we come to him with boldness, with a childlike confidence. I like to think of the child who breaks into a meeting of his uh, billionaire fathers, billionaire fathers having some high powered meeting child breaks in and said, dad, can I have a million dollars? And so that kind of confidence, you know, we, we don't think about that very often. Uh, we, we don't always answer our children's prayers that way, but our father is there and he's, he's, he's willing to be interrupted. In fact, he's delighted to be interrupted. It's, it's not as if, you know, this is some kind of an irritation for him. He wants to be interrupted by his children and that's what we're doing. He's also all powerful. And he's all good. And he's capable of answering our prayers and going far beyond that. He's going to do far beyond anything we could ask or think. So we'll ask for a million dollars, but we'll be quite surprised when we walk away with $40 million. That, that, that will be the surprise, you know, because he is a good father and he loves to answer our prayers. And he will do far more than anything we could ask or think. Uh, God is good for to us. And, and we need to, I think, come into prayer with the recognition that our father is good. Um, we see 100,000 manifestations of his goodness all around us. Just open our eyes and, and look at what he has done already and all the, you know, answers to prayer that we have experienced thus far. I, and we lose 
count. We lose track of all the prayers that have been answered. It's interesting. Unless you have a prayer journal that goes way back, you're probably going to forget uh, all of the times in which he's answered prayers in the past. But here's, here's the real takeaway uh, in terms of our approach to the throne of grace, and that is we come in faith. Um, our God delights in faith. And I think that's the lesson that we receive here from this passage in, uh, in Luke today. Um, he delights in our faith. And prayer is probably the most regular and the most important exercise of faith in the Christian life. This is where we really do step out of the boat and walk on water. Um, there's a lot of ways in which we can exercise faith, but, but prayer is the day-to-day getting out of the boat, walking on water, looking up in faith and asking God for his intervention, his help uh, for the things that we're going through. The genuineness of our faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, uh, may be found to the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This, this is a precious thing in God's eyes. He loves to see our faith exercised. He, he grows our faith. This is, I believe, what's being encouraged in Luke 18. We pray day and night, especially when it comes to such matters as the persecution of the church, because it is an exercise in faith. He's growing our faith. Even as he's growing the faith of our brothers and sisters who are undergoing the persecutions, uh, he also is growing our faith in our prayer life. Uh, and this is uh, quite precious. In fact, there's nothing more precious than faith in the sight of God for us. So let's pray the big prayers. Let's pray the small prayers. We talk about praying for big fish and little fish. Either way, let's pray for fish. He'll always give us a fish. He won't give us a stone. So, um, so he is a heavenly father that loves us. He's also minutely concerned with all of the tiny, tiny little details of our lives. So don't be afraid of praying for the small fish because he's concerned about the hairs on our head as he is um, in terms of the major kingdom outreaches that uh, we may be involving ourselves in. So just to close, I just, I, I do resonate with the cry for revival. I know that's, uh, that's what we are all uh, praying for. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill would say the pastor who is not praying is playing. Um, we have many organizers, but few agonizers. And, and that rings uh, for me as well. We just, we need to be um, agonizing. We need to be praying. We need to be crying out to God uh, for, for this revival. Um, and that there would be a desire to be in the presence of God. There would be uh, prayer life in the church, that our prayer meetings would be packed out. Uh, by men and women um, who will pray with the lifting up of holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Um, I guess that's a big prayer for me. To me, the health of the church, the health of our local body has so much to do with the desire of God's people to gather for prayer. The, the prayer life of the church to me is the primary uh, health monitor of the body. So so I just really am I'm praying for our prayer meetings to be packed out with um, with men and women who are agonizing, who are crying out to God and, um, and seeking his face, and that all would speak the word of God in our congregation such that even unbelievers would come into our worship services, fall on their faces and say, um, God is here of a truth. Uh, that would be something that uh, I, I would love to see characterize uh, our church and, and the churches around the world, and that there would be hundreds of conversions. Our churches would be on fire for missions, uh, on fire for evangelizing the word, 
um, that our churches also would ring with joy uh, in the worship services, the, the loud shouts of joyful praise that we read about throughout the Psalms, that our sins have been really forgiven, that we have experienced real redemption, that we have seen the supernatural, miraculous work of God in transforming lives, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, sinners repenting, and prodigals coming home. This is the kind of thing that, you know, we want to hear. We want to hear every Sunday the celebrations and the loud shouts of joyful praise. Uh, for for all of what God is doing. That our fathers also would disciple their children every day in the word of God, uh, that they would love the Lord their God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and teach their children God's word as they sit in the house, as they walk by the way, as they rise up, as they lie down, and that we would see an end of generational apostasy. That is, we would love to see children growing up in the church walking in the faith. There's no greater joy than see our children walking in the truth and, um, and so we would love to see this uh, as marks of uh, return of the Holy Spirit of God's blessing upon our churches and uh, a reviving and awakening and a reformation in our churches in America. Jesus said, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you will receive them and you will have them. This is a challenge to our faith. And um, I'm just challenging all of us to step out in faith and, and pray for revival. Amen.